Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 116 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I am Andy Stewart. Here we are again for date stamp purposes, circa 11am on a Sunday morning. Yes, good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. Um, eventful week? Uh, I'd love to say yes, Mitch, but to be honest, I've, I've not really done much. There was a moment midweek... But I felt terrible. I thought, oh, I've got a cold coming on. I just felt kind of run down and under the weather. But I seem to have turned the corner a little bit, and I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit better. Okay, good. Pleased to hear it. Yep. Uh, what about you? How are you feeling? All right, yeah. I have uh, done all the work that needs done for now on um, A Ghost Waits, so all eyes on next Sunday. Oh, of course, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, when that plays at Fright Fest, so I'm looking forward to that. I hope the people that check it out like it, and I hope the people that like it already still like it. <laughs> um but yeah that's been the main uh the main thrust of the week although um i did manage to kind of get to a point where like i say the work on that was kind of done so i did find myself with a couple of free evenings this week oh my goodness you lucky lucky man now i'm going to flip the script on you seeing as that's what we're all about these days given last week I had a pitch. <laughs> and I'm gonna, yeah. yeah i'm gonna ask you first Mitch Bain, what did you watch this week? Okay, so I did manage a couple of things and actually managed to watch some new stuff. Oh, okay. Or at least relatively new. So first up, I watched maybe about five or six episodes of uh, Godam on Netflix. Oh no, we talked about this. Yeah, it only landed just um, a week or two ago. Uh, it's an Asian production and I didn't actually realise this. So it's an anthology series based on uh, Urban Legends. Okay, oh uh, yeah, right, that's coming back now. Yeah, although not Urban Legends that I'm familiar with, to be honest, but um, <laughs> pretty interesting stuff. But what I didn't realise about this was, yes, it's an anthology, but they're like eight to ten minutes a piece. Well, each episode? Yeah, so it's basically oh. like one horror set piece per episode. Okay. It is quite good. The success rate of them is kind of hit and miss, as most of these things are. But so far, I think I'm about seven in. Definitely more good than bad if you were going to only be checking out one. And I think realistically, you've probably got time to check out more than one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're only checking out one, I would say so far for me, episode three special guest right. would be my top pick. Although once again, it is for the third week in a row now, I think, deconstructing my uh, snobbery about things that look like they were shot on Zoom. <laughs> So maybe I should just shut my noise about that once and for all. Yeah, you're going to um, stand down on that one, I think. Yeah, because people keep doing it excellently. <laughs> um, but yeah, Godam go is out there, and uh, I thought I thought slash think that it's really good so far. So um, I'd recommend taking a wee look at that. Also, I uh, went on to Amazon, watched an Amazon original. I actually had a theatrical release back at the beginning of the year. Right, okay. Uh, Justin Deck's Countdown. Now, again, I feel like you've mentioned this fairly recently. I feel like it's come up at some point, although I, I forget exactly how or when. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I say, this uh, it was either the end of last year or the start of this year, but it made it to cinemas, this one. And it is about a nurse called Quinn 
who downloads an app that tells you how long you have to live in hours, minutes, and seconds. Oh, shit. I remember years ago, right, on my DVD, and I think I've mentioned this on the show before, on my DVD of Final Destination, there was something very similar to this. I think we talked about this when Gabe was on doing Final Destination 3. <laughs> so this app does predict with, I must say, like fairly remarkable accuracy, when people are going to die. <laughs> Um, and even when it looks like you've cheated it, you probably haven't, and it gets you one way or another. Right, okay. Um, this this is rotten. Like, this is really, really <laughs> bad. Um, like, uh, I, I really, really hated it, actually. But, like, it felt very cynical. It felt like someone somewhere had been, like, in a pitch meeting or in a board meeting had been like, how about Final Destination, except, I don't know, the internet or something? Maybe an app? Right. And then it just happened. Right, okay. And then somebody gave them six and a half million dollars to make this film, and then it was just there. Yeah, this is like this is really really drab more than anything. Jump scares are kind of botched. The rules elasticity is quite egregious, which is a big problem for me, as you know. Yeah. I'm very officious in that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, countdown not good, not good at all, and leaves itself open for a sequel that I can only pray does not arrive. Oh wow! Because I'm not, I, I don't want to give too much away. If spoilers about this film are a problem for you, skip ahead a minute. But she kind of escapes at the end of this, mm-hmm. and the kind of sting in the tail at the end of it is that an app called Countdown 2.0 self-installs on her phone. Right, I see. Okay. And like that that's a grown out loud ending, but also it's just full of grown out loud moments. And yeah. this film spends so much of its time mishandling the tech aspect of it and undermining its own seriousness with things like that. And it's played so incredibly straight faced. It's a shit final destination for twenty twenty. Really. <laughs> Couldn't stand it. Um, oh, but wow. Godam's out there, and it takes up way less of your time than Countdown, and it's good. So there you go. Godam good, Countdown bad. Wow, thank you very much. <laughs> How about you? Oh, well, uh, I went on to Shudder and watched Random Acts of Violence, of course. Ah, okay. Now, this has been one I've been looking forward to for quite a while. This only dropped on Thursday, didn't it? Yes, yes, it did. But once again, big thanks to Shudder for furnishing us with a link to this before it was released. Yes, very cool indeed. So, uh, directorial debut of Jay Baruchel, best known to a lot of people, I think, for things like This Is The End and uh, How To Train Your Dragon. <laughs> yeah, sure, and and he's here in this as well, kind of playing the kind of awkward, nervous comedy pal. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he is good at that. Yeah, more than a swipe of John McPhail around him as well. Agreed, yes, uh-huh, <laughs> I see that. Yeah, so I, I talked about this a few weeks ago and, I, and when the trailer dropped, and I remember I said to you I was really excited for it, I thought it looked great. I think it looks great, and it sounds great, and the film's good, mostly. But it doesn't, I don't think it sticks the landing, and I feel like it tapers off way, way, way before it gets to, to the end. And for an 80 minute film, that's not necessarily the best thing. That's disappointing. I uh, really like the sound of the premise of this. Do you want to just talk a little bit about sure. what it's actually about? Yeah, yeah. So, what we have here is we have uh, Jesse Williams from uh, Grey's Anatomy and Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays this comic book writer who's got this. I guess really graphic graphic novel called Slasher Man right which has been running for years and years and uh, he's now coming down to the point that it's starting to affect him a little bit and he's making a decision to bring this particular comic book to an end but he doesn't quite know how to write the final issue so he's on a road trip uh, with his kind of staff slash friends slash girlfriends and uh, they're travelling across the country while he tries to figure out how to kind of end this comic and 
things start to happen. People start to get killed by this guy in like a like a welding mask. Right. In a style very similar to killings from previous issues of Slasher Man. Yeah, so this sounds so much like something that I would enjoy. I am quite put out that you're saying that it kind of it doesn't kind of see itself over the finish line. Yeah, I, I really don't think it does. And I, like I mentioned, it looks brilliant. The DP on it was Kareem Hussein, who did things like Antiviral and We Are Still Here and uh, just recently did Possessor. Ah, nice. Okay, cool. Uh, so it looks amazing. And the soundtrack's great as well. It, the, the score in it's re- this really cool electro synthy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the most part, it's well acted, but I feel that the characters aren't particularly well fleshed out. Okay. The, the gore, when it's there is pretty strong okay do you feel like there could have stood to be more of that oh but i could (laughs) i could always do more (laughs) like particularly the first real instance of like violent like the first real random act of violence if you like but it's pretty brutal but then it kind of even that side i think it starts off with such promise and such aggression and then that seems to taper off as well and then there's a big sequence where nothing much seems to happen and I, I don't know. I just felt at the end was a little bit flat for me. Okay, that's a pity. Quick thing that I just uh, I just went and checked something out just out of curiosity when you spoke about the music there. Mm-hmm. Music here done by uh, Andrew Gordon McPherson, who has done things like uh, The Ranger. Yeah. Previously, and also Wade McNeil from Alexis and Fire. Yeah, who's also in the film. Is he? Yeah. Interesting. I like Alexis and Fire. Yes. Yeah. Me too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's a kind of weird one for me because there's so much that I loved about it, but then I just felt like it just lost its way to the towards the end and it became kinda humdrum for me. Okay. I'd be interested to see what you what you make of it. Yeah, I'm gonna try and get to it hopefully uh this week. I will all being well be spending quite a bit of time on trains and such. Of course. Um, yeah, you're away. This week. Yeah, so uh so my hope is that um I'll be able to catch up on a couple of things while I'm doing that. So Yeah. Mitch, what you said from the 90s? I sure do. I decided to go for something a little bit more mainstream uh, this week after a few weeks of, I think it's fair to say, pinballing around with some pretty avant-garde selections. Sure. So I went to 1990 this week and watched, for the first time ever, Child's Play 2. Oh, yes. Wow, amazing. My favourite Child's Play film. I think that of the ones that I've seen, it's probably mine as well. Yeah, really, really liked it. Um, I I was looking kind of like, I was reading a little bit about it and a little bit about the kind of critical reaction to it at the time and stuff like that. And people were talking about the fact that it's kind of uh, far less lighthearted and kind of, uh, or like played for laughs way less than the original. I think that it's to its credit that it does that. I think that it comes out the other side a better film. It's an incredibly mean-spirited film. It is, yeah, but um, but it really works, I think. Also, in keeping with me watching franchises in a weird order, I think that the order that I watch these now is, hang on, <laughs> six, one, seven, five, two. Wow, so you're just missing part three and Brighter Chucky. Yes, that's all I've got left that's all I've got left to do. And I do agree that the series is of variable quality, but I have liked most of it actually. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean I I'm generally a fan of it, I would say. I think some of the later stuff I I, I think that um Curse was six, wasn't it? Correct, yeah. Yeah, Curse of Chucky, I really like that. 
Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Seven, yeah, it was pretty good as well. Um, I kind of, this is kind of, and I think we've talked about this before, so I don't want to bang this drum too much, but like, I don't mind when things get rebooted and I don't mind when things get remade and I don't mind sequels into oblivion and stuff like that. These things don't worry me. If I, I, I kind of kicked off on social media about this this week, actually, because there's been a petition to cast out the reboot of The Exorcist. It's I like, fuck that. off. If you don't want that, then you don't have to have it. No, no, just fucking ignore it. Pretend it didn't happen. Ignore it. If you go to your Blu-ray shelf, your original copy of The Exorcist has not been replaced by the new one. The new one does not become a lost film. Yeah. So it doesn't bother me when these things happen. I'm not precious about it at all. I have got a healthy capacity of ignoring things that I don't want to watch. (laughs) But I think that the gripe that I had with the Child's Play reboot wasn't Mm -hmm. because it was getting rebooted. I don't think that the original is sacred. Sure, sure. It's annoying to me because I feel like there is still life in that story. Yeah, well, I mean, that's maybe that's what we're going to get more of in the, the, the series. I'm kind of hoping so, because I think that, yeah, my, my gripe with the reboot, apart from the fact that I didn't like it, was that I thought that it ended the original series prematurely. So I'm hoping that, yeah, some of that narrative carries over into the series, in which case I will cheerfully rescind my gripes with the reboot as well. <laughs> okay. And just let it exist in the world where I will uh, stay true to my word and ignore it until I'm dead. <laughs> I'm going to keep reminding you of it, though. I'm going to keep uh, like lighting that fire with me. But that warped into a little bit of a rant that I didn't mean for it to. I liked it. <laughs> so I maybe liked we it. should... Yeah, you know what? You can't be the sunshine kid all the time. No, no, I like to see... I like, I like, come on, Mitch, give us something. Give us some emotion. Yeah, there you go. Now you've, now, now you've finally had it. There it wow. was. He's finally <laughs> lost it. That's what, me losing, that's, that, that's what me losing it looks like. It's very, very restrained. Calm down. So. Yeah. What have they been saying? Whew, a lot. I noticed my phone was going crazy and you were sending me a lot of stuff there. Yeah, a sizable feedback section this week on a whole load of topics. So big thank you to everybody who's been getting in touch this week. And first and foremost, of course, thank you to the podcast Under the Stairs main man, Duncan McLeish, joining us this week (laughs) to talk the people under the stairs. Really, um, uh, uh, I really hope everybody else enjoyed that episode. It was kind of just what I needed this week. Yeah, I I had an absolute blast with it, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, it was. uh, I, I, I had a great time as well. Always lovely to have Duncan on the show. So I want to say a quick hello to Hanny underscore Ray, who said, um, Amazing chat. Love this crazy film. Watched it the first time with my mom as a teenager and remember being surprised that she sat through it all. Yeah, I don't know if I could count <laughs> on my mom to make it all the way through the people under the stairs, to be honest. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't, and my mom, I think we've touched on that before. She's not a horror person at all. She wouldn't go near this. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, fair enough. Also, uh, just uh, staying with people under the stairs, um, a little bit of love just generally coming for it from uh, social media on Facebook. Just uh, Ashley McCarthy saying, I love this film. Mark Davies, it's a brilliant film. General consensus was that people are really into it. Agreed. Uh, I did see a couple of dissenting voices, um, but on the episode in particular, James Patrick Duffy got in touch on Facebook to say, sensationally fun episode and nice for Duncan to keep up his record of actors under a certain age being put into questionable scenarios after the whole. Oh my god, okay, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Duncan <laughs> himself came back on that just saying he's not entirely sure he wants that to be his legacy. That's also reasonable, I suppose, yeah. So Shan, at Herbie Hoare getting in touch to say, really enjoyed Strong Violent PC's episode about the people under the stairs and was giggling along. Ah, excellent. Good, good. At least somebody was laughing. That's all the way. As long as one person laughs, we've, we've done our job, Mitch. We've done our job. Sure. Some longer thoughts coming in from Chris Skelp. Right. First watch for me last night, and I found the mismatch between some of the subject matter and the tone of the film a bit difficult at times, but overall I had a good time with it. I think Duncan made a very good observation in the episode that I listened to this morning that... 
coming to the film as an adult, there is a lot more being said here than there is on the gory surface. From the synopsis of the movie, I didn't expect it to have me thinking about the parallels between the treatment of the underclasses inside and outside of the house, or how, even 30 years later, nothing much has changed for the real world underclass. Yeah, I think that uh, normally uh, when somebody makes a point about this kind of commentary in a film like this, I kind of make jokes about the fact that they're projecting. Yeah, no, but um, it's quite clear in this. Oh yeah, and I think I think that's a really interesting strand to the film. Uh, mm. Also getting in touch with uh, Longer Considerations was Andrew Barron this week on Facebook. Always had a special place in my heart for this movie. I first saw it when it premiered late one night on BBC Two in the mid-90s. Being in my early teens, I'd set a video recorder on to tape the film for myself. The tape managed to catch the continuity announcement afterwards that stated that the channel was now shutting down for the night and it was one of the best things I've ever heard on TV. The studio announcer said, and that's all from us tonight on BBC Two. We wish you all a good night before then going going on to stage whisper now where did i leave my leather pants <laughs> every time i watch the film after that i would leave it on to hear that announcement after the credits that's a fun story i like that a lot i'm actually disappointed that my blu-ray doesn't end with that <laughs> now yes not, not necessarily a fan of the film saltired popcorn oh okay kevin okay yeah kevin saying well 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 i wonder if anyone will win me over on this one and I may need to rewatch it soon. It just never clicked for me. The tone is off, which I think we can all agree is kind of accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Craven didn't really know what kind of film he wanted to deliver, in my opinion. Okay, that's a little bit more controversial, I think. I feel like he knew exactly how weird he wanted it to be. I do have a question in my head about who it's for or who it's pitched at, but I think <laughs> that maybe the answer to that is that it's for him. Quite possibly, yeah. You know? Yeah. Anything else on the people under the stairs? I don't have anything else on the people under the stairs. Okay, in that case, I want to jump back just a little bit to Rec 3. Yeah, sure. Say hello to Dave Cooper, Deluxe underscore man. Uh, Dave Cooper on Twitter and, of course, the man behind the Anyone for Seconds podcast. Ah, uh, yeah. Finally caught up with a Rec 3 episode. Sounds great and I may have to seek it out. Dave, go for it. Honestly, it's great. Also, I looked up Sponge John and was not disappointed. I'd rather watch him <laughs> than that imposter, SpongeBob. Um, posted a couple of pictures of, uh, of uh, Sponge John there, which is always nice to see. The hero that we need. Absolutely. James Plum, a former guest at Mad Science Films, getting in touch to say that he had to listen twice to the episode to check that I said that the death of Sponge John is my The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. <laughs> uh, and that it was a literal spit take and a uh, great episode. Well, thanks very much, James. And yes, uh, I can confirm <laughs> for better or worse that that is what you said. Sometimes I just need to shut the fuck up. I disagree. Um, <laughs> elsewhere, unless you've got anything else on Rec 3. I don't. In that case, I uh, want to say a quick hello to Kim Morrison. Getting in touch on Twitter. Hi, Kim. Just listened to Minisode 111 of Strong Violent PC, so just heard Mitch's direct plea to me to not watch Slenderman. Whoops, already watched it, and it's guff. Also agree with Andy. I had more fun shouting at the Bye Bye Man. Agreed. Infinitely yeah. more fun. Infinitely yeah. a more fun time. Equally, like, equally terrible film. Potentially worse in some oh, yeah. ways but far more fun to watch De definitely far more fun to watch in a grape as well yeah the bye bye man is far and away a worse film but you know you're absolutely right you've just said it all it's much more fun to watch there's very little joy to be found in slender man and it's bad which is kind of the, the, the double whammy really it's, it's 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 not good and it's also the wrong kind of bad yeah uh quick hello darren gaskell getting in touch on twitter uh looking forward to catching up with him next week actually 
Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. I believe we've uh, that the idea has been floated to catch up for a little while, which is good. He was talking about the Patreon content that we put out this week because uh, anyone who's on there will know that we did put out a review episode of uh, La Llorona. Oh, sure. Yeah, yes. We did. Uh, this week, just uh, just give this a listen. Thanks to you both. We'll be checking this one out. It sounds like my kind of thing. Uh, for anyone who hasn't heard that, we both really liked La Llorona and we kind of settled on the fact that if things like Tigers Are Not Afraid and Pan's Labyrinth, things like that, are the kinds of things that you tend to respond to, then go for it with this one. But we would also caution that it is significantly less horror than either of those two titles that were just mentioned. Yes, uh uh-huh. It's uh, way more uh, realism and drama-oriented than either yeah. of those films. Yeah, absolutely. But still, real, a powerful good watch definitely uh, I want to say a quick hello to uh, Neil Neil Mitchell Horror of Dracula on Twitter hi Neil he had a hell of a week uh, with us um, he <laughs> listened to six episodes in one day I've got to say mate, six episodes of us in a day is potentially too much I think that might do something to you I think that can warp you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he, he he mapped his progress let us know what he was listening to what he was checking out <laughs> he's actually, I've got something from Neil as well he says he's clearly in a masochistic mood he's so far this morning listened to both the Mortal Kombat Annihilation episode and the Garbage Pail Kids episode of Strong Violent PC <laughs> one of these I now really want to see, I can only imagine that it's Garbage Pail Kids because Mortal Kombat Annihilation is terrible yeah it is shocking, uh, a very fun episode sure yeah absolutely uh, but yeah, no, uh, did not care for the film one bit. So yeah, I'm assuming that the film in question is a garbage pill kid. It's a very compelling pitch as well from our old pal Sam Ashurst on that one. <laughs> uh, also, Mortal Kombat with Eric Pennykoff. That was on January 15th. Holy shit. I know. Stan O'Neill, he also, as part of his marathon day, episode number six was the Mothman Prophecies episode, which we did with uh, Josh Lobo, the director of I Trap the Devil, which was about mm. a year ago now. That was a really fun one as well, actually. So, Neil, really putting yourself through the ringer with six episodes of us in one day, but you're picking some good ones there. Yeah, I, I agree. That, I, I would say all of those were really fun episodes. Uh, films of wildly varying quality. But, uh, yeah, funny episodes. Yeah, and Neil, thanks for your support. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Neil. Staying with uh, just the general news of how we're sliding into people's daily routines and weekly routines and things, uh, Grant Sherwin, Pollock Perlow, <laughs> uh, he was masked and Aldi-bound on Friday with uh, with us in his ears. Yeah, I've got one more thing here, and it's from Cosmic Ray Girl Alexis, uh, reaching out to both ourselves and... Velocipastor director Brendan Steer. People are talking about that episode, the orphan episode, a lot. That well, is that is that is resurfaced a lot since we recorded that one. Yeah, well Alexis has caught up with it this week and she has given a massive thumbs up to the possibility of having a patron exclusive episode on Fifty Shades Darker. I feel like if we're doing that, we have to do all three. Ugh, as I like a mini As like a, a mini series. But uh, they, these are all these are all kind of these are far away down the line things. Who knows? Maybe I kind of want to do it. I get the impression that Brendan would definitely do it. I think Brendan would drop what he was doing to do it. That might be true, you know. Uh, I have a couple more. Um, I want to say a quick hello to uh, Laura getting in touch uh, by an LV on Twitter, our old pal, saying, uh, come to the conclusion that Friday the 13th films are more entertaining to hear about than to watch. Um, in reference to our episode recently with Patrick Gray. Wow, harsh. On uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. And also, I want to say a quick hello again to Chris Skelp, who has completed his run through the minisodes of the show. Oh, shit. Did not fuck about doing that. No, 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 that's record timing. 
uh, yeah, that's 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 uh, some pretty intense stuff. He has also listened to a few of the episodes, as we know. But uh, he did post some reflections uh, at the end of that, and he said, Minisode Quest complete. It's been an enjoyable time, and over the last couple of weeks, the soap opera that not only has the main characters of Andy and Mitch, but also a very strong supporting cast has been through many ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I fucking bet it has. I've witnessed the rebirth of Ron Mintz, the death of the Shockwaves 100, the birth of the 90s side quest, and the death of Andy's remaining dignity with a prolonged discussion of his onanistic proclivities. (laughs) It's been a long time since I talked about wanking on this. (laughs) It's <laughs> very true. Uh, I was struck with the poignancy of our host's optimism for a great 2020 and also oh, a little sadness that I started listening a few weeks too late to take part in the last live show. Here's hoping that things get back to some sort of normalcy sooner rather than later. Uh, Chris, the minute that we can start doing live ones again, we will. Yeah, we're we're kind of we're looking at the possibilities for how we can make that happen, and hopefully we'll have some things to tell you when things are a little bit clearer. We love doing them. Uh, mm. We love seeing everybody and having a pint with everybody afterwards and all that stuff. It's really is the best part of doing this. I don't know about you, mate, but I am champing at the bit to get back to do it. Champing? Yeah, champing. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I think either. I think either's fine sure okay but yeah but uh yeah we, we want to get it back out there so hopefully you'll be able to make it along to the next one with any luck and uh, i did say looking at the list of main episodes i've now seen 13 98 to go to 100 percent. i may try nothing to lose except maybe time that i should have spent watching something better there are ones that you could possibly just scut altogether because the, i really don't know if there's anything to be gained from watching the films we've watched them so potentially you don't have to yeah, if uh, yeah, if you want some, like, I, I wouldn't openly trash anything. But Chris, if you're looking for some uh, some tips on skippable movies, then you know where we are. Okay, don't <laughs> suffer in silence. Uh, just before we stop, this has never happened before. But um, uh, we've literally received some feedback while we're recording, so I'm just going to read it. I've just seen it as well. This <laughs> this is deeply shocking. Uh, it does. It, it, it ties back into the inherent creepiness of uh, some of the stuff that was going on in the film The Hole. Yeah. Which we've yeah. discussed at length in previous episodes. I don't want to dig into the particulars of that too much, but uh, episode 50 is out there if you want to dig back in. <laughs> um, but Kim has just tweeted us a picture of the DVD cover for The Hole uh, with a quote on the front of it from chow.co.uk that says, Kira Knightley gets more than a few pulses racing. Jesus Christ. Need I remind everyone that she was 15 during the film and this? That's dreadful. Kim, thank you for that. What my Sunday morning needed was for me to be profoundly disturbed. (laughs) I have just done a quick uh, internet search and I can see that the website chow.co.uk does not exist anymore. I can't imagine why. (laughs) That's about it from the feedback this week then, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any identifying text and leave only the image. It will be up to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis based on the image alone. We will share this on social media so you guys can play along as well. So last week we flipped the script somewhat. And for the first time ever, uh, you gave us a pitch. I've got to say, I've had a saddening lack of props for my efforts, to the point that it's damaged my fragile ego. Honestly, try doing it every week. I thought I had done a massive... I thought I'd done an incredible job. I think you did a very good job. I think, especially for a first outing, I think that, that it a, it's a, was a pretty remarkable effort. For anyone that missed it, basically what happened last week on Mitch's Pitches, after a discussion in the Chud Locker about the film The Graveyard Story, which is becoming, it's taking on a life of its own in there, we started talking about films that the alumni from that film 
have also done, and we came across the film City in Panic. Oh, yeah. So um, Stephen Wales stepped up and did the necessary photoshopping and we got you to do a pitch on that one. You reappropriated it as Honey, I Maximized a Madman. Yes. Which which I which I thought was gold, personally. 1990. 1990, yeah, yeah. God, I wish that was a 90s side quest film I could watch. <laughs> so a few people getting in touch with pitches of their own. There, just a handful this week. Uh, C.P. Buckley first then. New York, 1973. A mysterious killer has struck for the fifth time. Retired detective Samson Simpson... realizes that the killings are similar to murders he solved 15 years earlier but the killer sammy slasher was given the chair after his capture now samson must figure out if the killer is a copycat or if slasher has re-risen the truth however will be much harder to understand (laughs) it's a 1975 slasher thriller slasher's turn i think uh being called slasher and becoming a slasher is a bit of an on-the-nose career transition yeah i think that's called nominative determinism oh wow (laughs) i think uh kevin matthews when the scooby gang run foul of a mad female scientist professor henrietta bammy flaps okay christ okay they just managed to escape with their lives intact unaware that she has taken samples of their dna to create a monster that is both like their usual villains and able to predict all of their tactics okay it's the very strange 1985 horror adventure when a miss created a miscreant from mystery inc tagline if velma doesn't manage to shout jinkies she won't manage to shout anything ever again (laughs) i get the feeling the name there was co-written with alexis that does yeah it does it does it does have a it does have a feel of um alexis's work i think uh stephen wales doing an interesting one here um (laughs) this assumes a lot of knowledge but i'm gonna go for it anyway disillusioned detective ron hunt ron hunt being the protagonist from the graveyard story of course is only days away from leaving the force to become a private eye but with the city in fear from a knife-wielding killer can ron use his unconventional methods to bring them to justice in time who is this maniac branded by the media as the go-go killer from his calling card of yelling go-go gadget murder knife (laughs) is that dog following him or is he just paranoid from too long on the job find out in 1986's cult canadian classic and first in the ron hunt trilogy the long long arms of the law And finally, this week, Adam Guest. Yes, yes. Trash journalist Johnny Rumormill has finally bitten off more than he can chew and more than his perfect moustache can handle after a story about Bubbles the Chimp's sexual history attracts the ire and rage of none other than Jacko himself. Jesus. Targeting the entire newsroom in a psychotic spree of rhythmic violence, MJ slashes a swathe through the unaware journalist working slowly towards his hated target. Will Jacko be the smooth criminal he's promised to be? Will Johnny be able to stop the spree and beat it? One thing's certain, this giallo frenzy will be bad, and he will not stop till he gets enough. King of Pop Michael Jackson plays himself in this underseen meta slash of horror from the 90s. It's hee-hees, moonwalks, and a smattering of decapitation in The Way You Make Me Squeal. <laughs> That's your lot this week. Uh, okay, uh, can I give the best name to Samson Simpson? Samson Simpson, yep. <laughs> and the best pitch to Adam Moore. Okay, CP and Adam, congratulations. You are this week's winners. Whole load of nothing on its way to you. Weather permitting? Superb. Superb. <laughs> Weather permitting. <laughs> Rab, for being such a kind of grizzled and kind of world-weary guy, he's uh, very unreceptive and very precious about driving in certain conditions. Mm, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, uh, you know what? I really don't know why we heard him, but whatever. It's too late now. This is it. Damage is done. Okay, my turn then, I guess. Yep, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Here it comes now. Okay, okay. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I think I can work with this. So uh, the border to this image is white. Yes. The background is black. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we have here is a 
door, uh, which has uh, a whole lot of kind of glass paneling in it. What I would say is maybe like kind of, uh, yeah, like three by four grid of glass paneling. Yes. There is uh, behind the door, there are three shadowy figures um, who all have like uh, thick shocks of black hair. Um, also in the foreground of the image, there is a hand reaching forth um, against the backdrop slash sideline of a puddle of blood. Right. The hand has got like kind of kind of zooming in here. It's kind of got like decomposing fingers, and also there is an angry-looking skull, kind of like at the base of the wrist, looking in camera. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. Also, there's kind of like smoke um, and a kind of a ray of light coming from the other side of the door. So there you go. Uh, three shadowy figures stand on the other side of a glass-panelled wooden door uh, with a large decaying hand in front of it reaching forth and outwards towards the viewer. Yep, yep, that's uh, pretty much everything, I would say. Okay, I'll need a moment. You've got it. It's not lost on me, by the way, and... I know I said this last week, but the, the immense effort that goes into doing these week on week, which is staggering. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. If nothing else, I'm glad, I'm glad that this experience has taught you that. It has taught me that, and it's given me an appreciation for what you do. Ah, thanks very much. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. I do. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you come up with for this one. Because uh, yeah, we've, yeah. we've done a fair few things that could be part of this series. You know what I mean? Like this could fall quite neatly into a couple other things we've done, like maybe in with Snake Fist or some I of the d- other things. I did consider Snake Fist, but um, I have forgotten what the story is of the Curse of Snake Fist. Um, sure. So I, I'm going to need to go back and establish the chronology because I would quite like to bring it back at some point, although I haven't done that here. Right, okay. What have you done? Well, I'll tell you. Okay. Affluent but unpleasant suburban couple, Kim and Hugh Manchild, have it all. Two great jobs, two wonderful children, a peaceful secluded lifestyle, and a sprawling five-bedroom home. Oh, wow. However, Kim has one thorn in her side. She can't get planning permission to build an extension onto the back of her home because their back garden exists on the site of an ancient Indian burial ground. (laughs) After months of fruitless meetings with stuffy, officious town officials, in a fit of petulant rage, Kim commences building it herself using cheap, unlicensed labourers. Much to the disgust and outrage of her neighbours and the town council alike, both the work and Kim's dream home are soon complete. However, things soon start to go awry. There are strange noises coming from the new room at night, and their young daughter Maisie Manchild keeps having conversations with herself while she's playing in there. But is she truly alone? Okay. It's 1988's haunted house comedy horror, Conservaterror, the unmentionable tension in the extension. (laughs) Fuck off, man. I know, I know. That is not your finest work, I have to say. I know I've said that in the past, but I feel like that is quite quite low down. I thought that was okay. Anyway, uh, and I'll, I'll look at you as well also. Does one pitch and is suddenly the arbiter of which pitches are good. <laughs> I've listened to so many of these. <laughs> I was going to say, you know better than most. You've had to listen to more shite than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you've written uh, it and, and said it, it's out of your head, but I've got to listen to it. This is very true. This is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not a case of a problem shared as a problem half. It's very much a problem shared as a problem doubled. Yeah, because as soon as you've written it, you're thinking about next week, you're on to the next one. Yep, yep. More to the point, though. What is this really, and who is synopsisizing for us this week? (laughs) Now, what year did you say? I said 1988. Oh, 1989. Oh, one year out. Okay. Yes, and we're sticking. 
faithfully to the work of Claudio Fragasso. <laughs> you were going to be like, and it's breeders. Um, okay, uh, Claudio Fragasso again. Okay, which film? After Death. After Death. Okay, so um, who is emerging from the IMDb ether to tell us all about this this week? We've got a rotundan synopsisizer, Josh Wait. Pasnak. Ah, okay, okay. On you go. Yeah. A woman goes back to the island where her parents were killed. They had been working on a cure for cancer and accidentally raised the dead by angering a voodoo priest. <laughs> with the woman as a group of mercenaries, and they meet up with some other researchers. They raise the dead again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And all hell breaks loose. Oh, bad fucking does. There you go. Uh, wow. Stop okay. raising it... the fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> uh, is this any use? Uh, no, no. He's he's a terrible director. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I should have realised that by now. Uh, that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. That image is everywhere. Get pitching. We will read out the pick of the bunch next week. Hey, I've got to say, though, this has got a 4.1 out of 10 on IMDb, which for a Claudio Fragasso film is pretty respectable. Oh, this is his Citizen Kane. <laughs> uh, turn down attentions to the streaming platforms then. Amazon Prime, if you're listening to this on release day, August 24th, uh, we have got all five Underworld films. Ooh. Well, I'm saying all five. I don't know how many there are, but Underworld, Underworld Evolution, Underworld Rise of the Lycans, Underworld Awakening, and Underworld Blood Wars all landed on Amazon Prime this week. I believe that is all of them. That's the law. Okay, Netflix, Wednesday 26th. I'm just mentioning this because I think that you mentioned it way back when you first watched it, but Venom? All oh, right, okay. Yeah, I like this. Uh, yeah, it hits Netflix this week. A reporter battles a mad scientist in a fight for his life after merging with snarky alien symbiotes that give him remarkable powers. <laughs> Thursday 27th, we have got The Bridge Curse. Ooh. A group of university students decide to test an urban legend about the ghost of a female student that haunts a campus bridge. For fuck. Okay. <laughs> that was my reaction also. Uh, Shudder, Monday 24th, we've got Perfect. A young man with a violent past enters a mysterious clinic where the patients wildly transform their bodies and minds using genetic engineering. And on Thursday, but looking forward to this one for a long time, actually, really looking forward to checking this out, we've got Vivarium. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Landing, I think potentially, actually, on Shudder UK only. I'm pretty sure that's so that could be wrong, but this stars Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hoping to find the perfect place to live, a couple travel to a suburban neighbourhood where all the houses look identical. But when they try to leave their labyrinth-like development, each road mysteriously takes them back to where they started. I have been looking forward to this for a really long time. I think that when uh, this was doing the rounds on the festival circuit, this sounded like something I would really like. I was surprised and pleased to see that Shudder picked it up. And I'm um, really looking forward to uh, being able to catch up with this sooner than I expected. Can I ask you, Mitch, how much of you looking forward to this has to do with the fact that Imogen Poots is in it? I do like Imogen Poots a lot, but I also think that it sounds really good. Okay. You can decide on the ratios for that yourself. Now TV and Sky Cinema, then a couple of things there. Uh, this slipped under the radar last week. want to mention that it's there now because I think it landed on Sunday. Uh, Swallow? Oh, that's a great film. I loved it. I absolutely uh, loved this. I've told you, you should watch this. Yeah, I'm going to get to it, uh, because, well, we've got Hayley Bennett in this. Uh, a young housewife with a seemingly perfect marriage and life develops a disorder that gives her an irresistible urge to eat inedible objects. And on Saturday the 29th of August, I tell you, if you're looking for a fun Saturday night film next week, you cannot go far wrong with this, ready or not. Oh, yeah, brilliant. 
Uh, Grace couldn't be happier after she marries the man of her dreams at his family's luxurious estate. There's just one catch. She must now hide from midnight until dawn while her new in-laws hunt her down with guns, crossbows, and other weapons. As Grace desperately tries to survive the night, she soon finds a way to turn the tables on her not-so-lovable relatives. That's your lot for the streaming platforms this week. Whole load of really good stuff to be getting stuck into there. Ooh. My pick there is probably either Vivarium or Ready or Not. Vivarium because it sounds great, Ready or Not because it definitely is great. For me, I'm going to say Ready or Not and Swallow. Cool. And there's also the bridge curse. <laughs> That's going to turn out to be brilliant, and we've been snarky fuckers for nothing. Just based on a synopsis that probably had nothing to do with the people who made the film. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So, turning our attentions to this week's show, and well... Yeah, interesting one this week. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one for loads of different reasons. Uh, we do have a guest this week, and he is a director of arguably the most talked about horror film in the world at the moment. Can't disagree with that at all. He is the man behind the Shudder original host. We are being joined this week by Mr. Rob Savage. Yeah, I uh, can't wait for this uh, interesting film as well. A film that is arguably pretty good, I would say. But okay. I, th- I think it could use some love and it could do with a little bit of a refresher in people's minds. But yeah, we're going back to 1972 for the Amicus classic, Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt then with Rob Savage this week for uh, accessibility. Not the easiest thing to get hold of on streaming platforms in the UK, but it is on YouTube in a couple of different uh, in a couple of different incantations. Yep, yep. So you do have a way to get hold of that and catch up with it if you want to. I'll share a link to that in the Chud Locker this week for anyone that wants to do the homework before Friday. Absolutely, yep. And like like I said, I, I think I'm just going to say it right now. I think this is an amazing film, and I think pretty much anyone who's seen it would probably agree a uh, quick side note i've just been on the imdb and the storyline synopsis on there has been written by our old pal claudio carvalho no way yes yes tell me more no 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 it's, it's extremely long <laughs> Fair enough. i'm not gonna do that okay so host director rob savage joins us this week to talk tales from the crypt how are you feeling about that get in touch with us through all the usual channels if you want to have a word facebook and instagram are strong language violent scenes you can tweet us as well at strong violent pc and you can email strong language violent scenes at gmail.com don't forget you can also interact with other listeners on the facebook group the chud locker yep absolutely and of course check out our patreon page patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes we had something drop the other day on there for patrons only, and we will have something available depending what time you're listening to that. If it's before 9am, it won't be there yet. If it's 9am and after, there will be another episode of The Irredeemables. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. I can't believe you made me watch that crap. But yeah, we can find out about that uh, on the Patreon feed this morning. We are back this Friday talking Tales from the Crypt with Rob Savage. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.